Good morning. I hope you're having a fine Sunday morning. Welcome to another edition of Miami Valley Voices on this Cox radio station. I'm your host from the Dayton Daily News, Ron Rollins, and uh, we're going to learn this morning about a, a really important organization in town, the Dayton Foundation. We have in the studio with us Mike Parks, the president of the Dayton Foundation, and Barbara Stonerock, the vice president for community engagement. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, Good morning, Ron. Good morning. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you for ha- thank you for coming in. I've kind of had you guys on my list to bring in for a long time, mostly because the, the the foundation touches so many things in the community, including a lot of things we've talked about on this show with, with other other guests. But um, I, I don't know which of you wants to, to tee off, but uh, for anybody who's really not familiar with the Dayton Foundation and community foundations in general like it and how they work, yeah. uh, let, let them know a little bit about the background and, and the function. Yeah, so the, we're a, a community foundation, which means we're a public charity that's concerned about the welfare of a place. There's, there's in our case, it's the Miami Valley. Okay. There's 800 community foundations around America, all independent, all serving needs in their community. And in our case, in our five-county area, our role is to help enhance and grow philanthropy giving, mm-hmm. as well as to work on key issues in the community that affect the quality of life for all of us. What's the five-county area? Uh, Montgomery, Green, Preble, Southern... Miami and Northern Warren. Okay, and so it's a it's a it's a freestanding it's a nonprofit basically. But it um, how's how's it set up and how's it uh, how, how's it work? And so we're a uh, public charity, just like the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, YMCA, mm-hmm. and so we're governed by a community board of directors, a volunteer board, and uh, they work on the strategic efforts of the foundation and make sure that our mission to grow philanthropy, to grow giving, and to serve needs in our community uh, are met. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, basically, you how did you, how do you interact with these programs? I mean, uh, how do you give us an example of of some of the kind of partnerships that the foundation might have that that would you know give people a sense of how the work sure. actually happens? Yeah. Sure. You know, Mike talked about engaging the community in philanthropy and, mm-hmm. and helping to lift the community. And part of what we do is convene organizations and local partners to address emerging community issues. For example, right now we're working on the Cradle to Career initiative, Learn to Earn. Mm-hmm. Many people have heard about that. It's an initiative to engage students so that they're ready to learn when they come to kindergarten mm-hmm. and ready to earn when they graduate. The Lumina Foundation says that a community needs to have 60% of its population with some sort of a post-secondary credential in mm-hmm. order to be successful. So we're convening And to kind of order prepare and to prepare for the, the jobs of the future, pretty much. Exactly. Right. And the, the local workforce needs. So mm-hmm. we are helping to convene that group and all of the community partners are pulling on, pulling on this initiative together to raise what is Dayton's level right now at 36%, mm-hmm. only 36% have some sort of credential, up to the 60 that Lumina says we need in order to be successful. So do you provide um, funding? Do you provide organizational support for Learn to Earn, for example, which is kind of like a a fairly recently organized group? um, What what role does the foundation play in it? Are you kind of the wind beneath its wings and just kind of lets it go? Or do you actually actively fund it, organize it, call it together? 
all of the above. Right. So you're right. You've, you've touched on every single thing. Uh, initially, when Learn to Earn was getting going, the Dayton Foundation helped to convene mm-hmm. interested parties. We helped to do some of the background work to see if this was going to be a viable option for the community. You mentioned funding. Uh, we are all in with funding. We've awarded two $300,000 grants to help uh, grow the initiative and mm-hmm. lift it. And then kind of on the other end, we have office space for staff who engage in the initiative. Mm-hmm. We help do the back office. The fund is at, Day- at the Dayton Foundation. So a little bit of everything. Okay. And um, and people, I think, probably have heard of that um, uh, of that initiative. Are there others like it? That, that What else is in that wheelhouse of, of, of activity? Sure. One that has just launched uh, that we're very excited about is called Miami Valley Works. And I heard you just recently had the first graduating class. You're exactly right. right. It was so exciting. We helped to convene a group to see if the Cincinnati Works model would work in Dayton. Tell people what that is. It's, it's a model to lift people out of generational poverty. So in Dayton, 50,000 people, in the Miami Valley that is, mm. have never worked or haven't worked in five years. Oh my goodness. This program addresses the barriers that people experience in mm-hmm. poverty mm-hmm. and helps to get them jobs, which a, a lot of great local organizations help do that too. But what's unique about this program is the ongoing coaching to not only help people keep their jobs, but then in order to lift people out of poverty, we help coach them into a career of some sort. So um, thinking about how, what you're doing next after you get this entry level job. So um, how do people here, I mean, uh, talk. how do people find the program? I mean, or how do you find the clients to work with? I'm, or yeah, this, this issue of poverty, um, you know, this isn't a handout. This is really about changing people's lives, Ron. And in our case, we're so fortunate. We're partnering with Goodwill. Mm-hmm. Goodwill's the lead agency, and um, they really have their tentacles out in a number of agencies and organizations to find the clients. You know, Barbara mentioned 50,000 people. I mean, stop and think about that. In the Miami Valley, there's 50-plus thousand people that should have been working mm-hmm. or were able to work in the last five years that haven't worked. Right. For so many of us, that's... You can't even fathom that. You mm-hmm. can't even understand that. Right. And so often the response is, well, why don't they just get a job? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the big deal? I, I see people, signs everywhere, hiring. I hear about job openings. Why don't they just get a job? And in many cases, these are families where they've never worked. No one in their families ever worked. No parents ever worked. Or at least uh, on a regular, consistent mm-hmm. basis that so many of us grew up with. And so there's all kinds of barriers. So it's not so much getting the job, Mm. but as Barbara mentioned, it's the supports that go with it. If you can imagine being in that situation, um, you could have uh, legal issues, you could have uh, mental health issues, you might have- There's also knowing how to do it. I mean, like anything else, I mean, doing doing a job is part of knowing how you conduct yourself, what's expected of you, how you find out what a boss needs from you. I mean, there's a whole cultural... If you've never worked, if, yeah, how right. would you know that? Right, right? exactly. If you've, never, if you've never experienced that... And if you didn't pick it up from your folks, right, exactly. So goodwill, yes, they help you find a job, mm-hmm. but they stay with you. And so there's this concept in Miami Valley Works called member for life. As you can imagine, oh, if, you've, if you've not worked or you haven't worked consistently, uh, your chances of... Um, having some bumps in the road along the way Mm -hmm. are pretty great. So there's partnerships with what's called star employers. And Mm -hmm. these employers, the bargain is, you provide me good workers, 
and uh, my and goodwill says we'll slow down your churn because so many of these jobs there's a high turnover, high turnover rate. Right. and the agreement is there's a good possibility we're going to have some bumpy spots in the road so before you fire them mm-hmm. you call us and our career coaches and our job coaches will work with them on their barriers because oftentimes the barriers will be uh, just uh, child care, my car broke. Transportation. Transportation, stuff, right? life. So right? it's a retention thing as well. Oh, I mean, and, absolutely. Exactly. Well, so absolutely. that's really interesting. So um, but not, so I want to talk more about, about that, but, but that also I think the way you described interacting with Goodwill, it gives people a better sense too of, of how the foundation does its work. So this isn't a program that, that, that you guys are doing in particular. You find an organization like Goodwill, an agency that has the ability to, to, to reach into this problem and then you work with them on on funding and infrastructure to sort of like extend their work further into the community as as the foundation sees a need, right? Absolutely. Is that fair? Okay. It's it's we're not running the program, right? But there's community needs, and uh, our role is to bring the right people together that want to work on it. We never do anything by ourselves. It's mm-hmm. always in partnership. So Barbara mentioned uh, Learn to Earn. There's literally dozens and dozens of organizations. Um, including Dayton Daily News yeah, and Cox, Cox Media. Right. Hey, you know, every Sunday there's some wonderful stories about good things happening in the schools. There's all kinds of agencies that are lining up. So we're not doing this solo. We never try to do it. We don't own all the intellectual capital to work on community problems. But when there is an issue that's difficult and there's a gap and there's mm-hmm. no one in that space, um, we try to step in and say, who might be interested in helping? Another example of that recently is uh, the Crans to Classrooms program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Steve in about a year ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve, to talk about that. You know, this is really a program to for teachers to provide supplies, school supplies, for children in their classrooms that can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem, I think we all hear about teachers that are, you know, going to Walmart and going to Meyer and buying Buying supplies. their own stuff, right. This is really a, quote, store for free where teachers can get supplies. That initiative started at the Dayton Foundation. We convened CareSource and... Um, standard register and all kinds of groups in town that wanted to work on this issue and out of that came Grants Classroom. Now, see, I don't think I realized that. I guess I knew, um, and we're here with Mike Parks and Barbara Stonerock from the Dayton Foundation. Um, I, I get, I knew about Crayons to Classrooms, and as I said with Steve Rubenstein, the executive director, we had him on the show about a year ago to talk about it. But I don't think I realized that it started off as an initiative from the foundation. So that's 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 interesting. So, what are some other programs like that? Well, one exciting program we're working on now is the African American Community Fund Challenge. Uh-huh. We have about 160 fund holders mm-hmm. that have funds at the Dayton Foundation that are engaging around issues that serve the African American community specifically. Mm-hmm. The Dayton Foundation issued a challenge uh, where if you would start a fund at the Dayton Foundation that will later serve your community, uh, we will provide matching funding for that. So what sort of project or what sort of programs? Well, a group of the funds also engage in their own grant making in the Mm -hmm. community. So um, the funds can help with food pantries or, Mm -hmm. or anything that an organization could apply for. That's interesting. Now, so do mostly you, how often, how many of, how many of these initiatives begin with brainstorming at the foundation and how many are are, are programs or opportunities or, or ideas that are brought to you from other organizations yeah great great question ron uh the answer is uh yes no and maybe i was gonna right? say it's probably a mix yeah, yeah. Uh, a good example of of um one that was brought to the foundation was some 10 years or so ago probably more like 13 now when the dayton public schools passed the referendum to build the new schools 
um, some of the volunteers that were involved in that effort came to the foundation and said part of the of the pact that was made with the community is to have more access mm -hmm. to the public schools before and after school. And so the foundation convened a group. Extending the school day so that children are, are basically able to be more, better monitored and better. So uh, they're not just. It, it could be part of that, Ron. Okay. It's, it's really saying, you know, we have an investment in the community in these facilities right. beyond the use by the public school system, how might those facilities get used by the community? Oh, oh, okay. I didn't follow yeah. you. Okay, yeah. right. Sure. Yeah. So how right. do we, now part of that is engaging maybe to your example, the after, after after program, school right. okay. program, right. but it also I didn't might, realize you meant other community groups. Okay, yeah, it could be sense. other communities. Right. So it's both. It's a right. mix. So out of that came the Neighborhood Schools Project, okay. and that was really the lead agency on that was really the FIT Center mm -hmm. at the mm -hmm. University of Dayton. But today we have, is it five, Barbara, I believe? We've just added a sixth Six neighborhood school. School wow. center um, in various uh, neighborhoods around Dayton where there's actually staff devoted to saying, what are the community needs? What does our community need? And working with other community agencies to help fill those needs and bring those services directly to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So there's an example where the foundation uh, could step in and help but really uh, what's brought to us. Mm -hmm. And then other kinds of um, examples, uh, the Miami Valley Works is one that really came out of um, an initiative that the foundation works on with the Dayton Business Committee called the Commission on Minority Inclusion. Mm -hmm. And this is really, uh, Ron, working on issues of parity in our community. Uh, you know, depending on your frame of reference, some people think we've made great strides on diversity and inclusion. Others say we still have a long way to go. No matter where you're at on that continuum, we still I have I think challenges. they're both true, probably, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really true. It's maybe uh, compared to those individuals that might be listening from 30, 40, 50 years ago, maybe the the um, the racism and the, uh, and the issues may be less uh, overt or in your face, but they clearly still exist, mm -hmm. and particularly if you're a young person of color in our community. So uh, we work with the Dayton Business Committee on issues of, of um, parity and inclusion. And that's really where Miami Valley Works came from. Mm -hmm. And that came out of that group. Uh, another project that that group has worked on that's now been picked up and is in the Chamber of Commerce is doing a wonderful job on is the Minority Business Partnership. Mm -hmm. and it's really about how do we uh, grow and encourage local minority-owned businesses to, um, how do we help them grow and how do you partner them with uh, larger institutions to help them get contracts? How do they access those businesses mm -hmm. and uh, the whole idea is is to bring more opportunity uh, to minority-owned businesses that also came out of the commission that's cool let's tell people what they're listening to if they're just tuning in uh, if you are just joining us this is Miami Valley Voices on this Cox radio station I'm your host Ron Rollins and we are learning today about the Dayton Foundation um, a community foundation that um, kind of sort of I guess acts like glue to a, in a lot of ways uh, we'll talk more about that in a second we're here with uh, the president of the organization Mike Parks and Barbara Stone Rock, the Vice President for Community Engagement. So let's talk about that idea of glue. It does sort of feel like that's kind of one of the things that you guys do is that you sort of uh, tie together and bring together and then um, sort of bond various organizations in the community that maybe aren't, maybe wouldn't 
be talking together if you guys didn't get them talking together? Is that part of the mission as well? It sounds like that's a big part of what goes on. I think that's a fair statement. You know, another example of that is we were receiving grant applications from conservation groups and environmentally serving groups, Mm -hmm. 10,000 here, 10,000 there. And finally, someone on our grants committee said, you know, I don't know all of these groups. It seems like there are a lot of them, but are they talking to each other? Is there a way that we can help do the glue? Is there Mm -hmm. a way that we can get some of the groups together to talk about how collectively can we lift our missions in the Mm -hmm. community? So Mm -hmm. it was was kind of a neat day. We invited everyone on the list and 40 different conservation and environmental groups showed up one day. It it surprised us that there were that many in in our our community, community, believe it or not. Wow. uh, I'm thinking of Metro Parks as a big one. Yes. Maybe the the Land Trust, the Tecumseh Land Trust and stuff like that. We had Kristen McGaugh in recently. Oh, sure. But uh, 40? That's really interesting. It was was stunning to us. And so we engaged a consultant to kind of run us through a day of, you know, what what do you want? What do you need? How can we help you help others? And they they lifted kind of three ideas. Mm -hmm. The Miami Conservancy District, again, another partner to to help us. We're not the experts. Uh, They helped uh, with a staff person, part of a staff person's time to help us engage all of the uh, all of these groups, we put in a couple of grants mm-hmm. and you know in, engaged this group to see what what can we do together. Mm-hmm. So they formed a, a land team, a water team, a food team. Oh, this sounds like a whole separate radio show. Yeah, That's and, really... and together, yeah. uh, you know, they're working on issues in, in specific areas, and uh, it's it's pretty neat to watch. What was neat about the end of that day is you know we were we had a, a conference room and right, right. Uh, we were supposed to end at ten thirty, and they were all still there. Talking talking to each other about how we can do joint grant opportunities and right. and pull down more dollars. So that's that's another example of what we do as as the glue as you say. So now in that case in a case like that does the Dayton Foundation remain the uh, the sort of the lead dog on that pack or is there somebody else who picks that up and runs with it? Typically not. The Dayton Foundation can engage at any one time in a couple of what we call these large scale community leadership initiatives. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to never own anything. Right. We're not the experts. We're a community foundation so we say we're an inch deep and a mile wide <laughs> in arts, environment, animals, right. human services and health and so what we like to do is partner with those who have right. the capacity to lift an initiative. We, we want to support it and provide runway and, and help and right. consulting, but the idea is to launch it to either embed in another organization or you become your own 501c3. Right. Now, after all of these years and all of these initiatives, we, we're still obviously very interested and we provide counsel and guidance, right. but we don't own them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. Um Let's talk about funding a little bit because a lot of there's a lot of your work also is is, is direct funding and uh, of, of organizations that already exist but simply come to you with 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 funding requests. Where does the foundations? What's the foundation's f- model for for funding and and also um, uh, coming with? You mentioned a couple of very large grants that you'd given mm-hmm. to uh, a while ago to uh, an organization. Where does that money come from and and how does that work? So you think about a community foundation, we're a family, a group of individuals that care about where they have lived, maybe where they grew up, that care about our place, Mm -hmm. our greater Miami Valley region. Mm -hmm. So collectively, we're open to everyone. And so when you talk about funding, Ron, there's now about 3,300 different individuals families, businesses, mm-hmm. 
that over the last 90 years that the foundation has been here that come to the foundation and rather than trying to do it independently they say i have a a hope or a desire for the for the place i call home and that i care about mm-hmm. that i'd like to do so within those 3300 funds or individuals that have established funds at the foundation that's what comprises the Dayton Foundation and going back how far how old is the foundation 1921 so we're coming wow. up on 100 years okay that's older than i thought every individual has a different need so mm-hmm. some people come to the foundation and some of our listeners may have gotten scholarships uh, their students their kids their mm-hmm. grandkids themselves and you can go on the foundation's website to scholarship connect and there's literally over a thousand opportunities for students to apply for scholarships. Hmm. Well, that is only because Barbara and I didn't do that. There's people and individuals in our community that care about children, and it hmm. might be from their specific school. It might hmm. be sending them to their alma mater. It might hmm. be going to to Denison or Ohio State or University of Dayton, whatever the case may so be. So you have individuals who are underwriting scholarships through a state donations or direct it's, donations and they and you're managing that fund on their behalf exactly some oh. set them up currently uh-huh. as you say some set them up as part of an estate plan many mm-hmm. people set it up as part of estate plans so other families may come and say i'm interested in supporting my church or my synagogue another one may say i'm interested in an area of, of interest i'm mm-hmm. interested in homelessness mm-hmm. or sending kids to camp or i'm interested in the arts or whatever the case may be so mm-hmm. amongst those three 3,300 individuals, there's a wide variety of of areas of interest. And I think the message there, Ron, is there's a place for everyone. Um, We have some some, uh, donor-directed funds that you can set up with as little as 50 or 100 or a couple hundred dollars. And then obviously we have donors that are more significant than that. So sometimes I think people think the foundation, well, I'm not a philanthropist, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. There's a place for everyone at the Dayton Foundation. You know, best story about that is uh, some uh, 15 years ago, there was a family here in town. They both worked at General Motors, never had children. And uh, by most means would say they had a very modest lifestyle. But when they were growing up, both of them Mm -hmm. had nothing. And as they thought about their legacy in the community and they thought about what they wanted to leave, they said, you know, we always wanted to go to camp and we could never afford it. Mm -hmm. So they actually toured and a staff member from the foundation toured them to a number of camps around the Miami Valley. So they went to Camp Kern down in Oregonia and Mm -hmm. they went to the Boy Scout camp and they went to camps for kids with special needs. And they came back and as part of their estate plan, set up a fund at the foundation and said, we'd like you to identify children in need and send them to camps. So Barbara and her staff each year run a program now called the Harmony Fund, and the Harmonies were the couple that passed away. And they left uh, their estate, which ended up, uh, by the time you sold the house and did everything, about Mm a million dollars. Oh my goodness. And- Which grows over time because you, you guys invest it and grow it and yeah. So there's now, because of the Harmonies, since in the last 15 years, there's nearly 5,000 kids have gone to camps of all types throughout the Miami Valley that otherwise wouldn't experience it. Now do the, how do the the families find out about 
the, the the fact that this scholarship fund exists like do so for example Camp Kern knows it's there if they have students or kids that want to come to Camp Kern but aren't able for one reason or other you they're directed by exactly. the camp is that usually how yeah the okay. camps identify this they know where the students are and right, has right. needs and so let's use Camp Kern as yeah, an example sure. uh, no we one, love Camp Kern yeah, yeah. good old Camp Kern <laughs> you know, no one's turned away from Camp Kern for inability to pay I see okay and so they know of students that have okay. need they turn to the foundation and say hey can the harmonies help Right, and that's just one example. I think there's Barbara thirteen or fourteen different camps around the Miami Valley. Exactly, yeah. that have that access. I had so no idea. That's really interesting. That's just an example, though, yeah. of someone that had a passion in their heart, mm-hmm. and there's a place for them at the foundation. So when we talk about all the different needs, Barbara talks about learn to earn and all the different programs. That's really families mm-hmm. that have said. I'm interested in this area of interest. Right. And that's really what allows us to do our work. And I presume you get some money donated, donated that is unencumbered, where it's just people want to give, they trust you, they trust the foundation to do the right thing with the funding. And, and so basically it's like, I simply want to contribute to the general, the general fund, from which then you guys do all kinds of things, I assume. We do have a lot of individuals who have that foresight. They don't know what those emerging community needs will be in right. 50 years. Right. And so they or leave, next year. Or next right. year. So they leave unrestricted dollars Bless to the Dayton hearts. Foundation or lightly restricted. Mm-hmm. And those are the bucket of dollars that our grants committee awards each year through mm-hmm. a grant application process mm-hmm. to local nonprofits. It's about $2 million per year that we're able to award out into the community. Right. I don't think I've ever been involved in any nonprofit in town that did not receive some foundation funding. By way of recusal with our radio audience, yeah. I mean, the people who listen to this show know I'm on a lot of boards and community organizations, and and I think the foundation has probably had some involvement in almost anything I've ever had had a part in. So uh, people are very grateful for it. You know, those grants, Ron, this unrestricted, or in some cases, people might have a field of interest, right? I'm interested Mm -hmm. in history or arts or whatever the case may be. When someone says, I got a grant from the Dayton Foundation, yes, Barbara and her staff review those proposals, Mm Um, review all the financials, the program impact, the difference it's going to make in the community, and through that process, make those awards. But ultimately, each and every one of those grants comes from a family's fund. Mm-hmm. So you'd have the Ron Rollins Fund or the Barbara Stonerock Fund. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's all, I let's get 20 all, bucks. Let's yeah. all do and so the award actually comes from a family, and it's a family that says, I don't want to roll from the grave. Right. I just want to give back to the community. You guys decide what the highest and best need is. But ultimately, it's not our money. It's still a family sure. that said, we entrust you to make a good decision. So uh, when when uh, Dayton History or DVAC or the Art Institute gets a grant, it's really coming from a family's fund, and mm-hmm. we're the steward mm-hmm. to make sure those families' wishes are carried out. Mm-hmm. We, the Dayton Foundation is number two in the country. Mike mentioned there are about 800 community foundations right. across the country. The Dayton Foundation is number two in the number of funds at the foundation, at a foundation, and the number of grants going out the door. Wow. That's not an accolade for the Dayton Foundation, as Mike says. It's, that's that's, that's a celebration Dayton. of our community and how giving we are. The, the level of generosity. Well, you know, and it's who are we behind? Curious who who? Uh, it's probably a big it's city. I think it's Kansas think. City, if I'm not Kansas mistaken. Kansas City. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And I you'd think it'd have... be New York or I Chicago, guessed New York right? Or Chicago, right? But you know, there's something in our DNA, isn't there, Ron? You know, when you think about the response to the 1913 flood, right. nobody called uh, FEMA, right? Nobody right. called the government. Right. Right. You know, John Patterson started making boats, right? And uh, there's so many examples throughout our history where um, 
philanthropy of Daytonians where we said, we'll take care of, of the needs of our community. And mm-hmm. we really do have a very caring and generous community. We do. That, and uh, before we check out, because we're about out of time, t- where can people find out more? What's, where, what's the website? You can reach us at www.daytonfoundation.org okay. or call us at our main number at 222-0410. And your offices are downtown. We're right? in Kettering, Kettering Tower, Tower, right? right. We'd love also to, on we, Facebook, we, we can Twitter. see it from here. From, <laughs> yeah. Also on Facebook, Twitter. Good. Yeah. Excellent. We even well, have phone numbers, too. Well, I'm sure you can find them at the website. So it's daytonfoundation.org. And that and that'll list, that lists funds, how to give opportunities for scholarships and, and grants and everything. Excellent. Everything you can learn. And sometimes Excellent. people don't necessarily know specifically, but that's part of our job, yeah. right? And we can help them think through and what are the right groups and how to do and accomplish in their heart what they're trying to do for the community. That's fabulous. Thanks for coming in. Um, we've had uh, Mike Parks, uh, the president, and Barbara Stonerock, the vice president for community engagement from the Dayton Foundation, talking about the good work it does. I hope you guys will come back sometime soon. We'll There's a lot, you, we have a lot going on, so we'll, uh, we'll revisit uh, sometime soon. Uh, this has been uh, Miami Valley Voices on this Cox Radio Station. I'm Ron Rollins, and thanks for listening. We will see you next week.